you are only exceptional once you've done the grind. You're not going to be exceptional on day one. You have to actually sit down, do a job, work through it, get to know the environment well, work in the environment well, and then deliver. And once you start delivering, you improve your delivery, and eventually you are delivering very well. And that's exactly the same strategy for swimming. As long as your goals have meaning to you, then they're worthwhile doing. And you align everything around you toward them. Achieving your personal best, being able to succeed in your area against yourself is what it's really about. Welcome to Super Authentic Tales. In this episode, we meet Gareth, a software developer who has conquered one of the most challenging feats in open water swimming, the English Channel. The English Channel swim is a 21-mile or 33.8-kilometer journey that tests swimmers' physical endurance and mental resilience. Gareth is not stopping there, though. He has set his sight on the Ocean Seven Challenge, a series of seven of the world's most demanding open-water swims. This monumental goal will test Gareth in varying conditions, from frigid waters to swells and tides. But he's determined to succeed, and his story is one of determination, resilience, and the pursuit of remarkable ambitions. Enjoy the conversation. It's so happy to have you here. So I just want to、um, give a very brief introduction here. So Gareth and I were used to work at the same company, and he is actually a software developer. I met him one day in the kitchen, and I realized that he has this great, great ambition to want to swim across the channel. I never ever had a chance to speak to him about this great ambition. In fact. I'm not even sure now. I'm speaking whether he has completed the challenge, so I I I think I will let Gareth to speak a little bit in terms of that where he is at in terms of this、um, channel swimming challenge and why does he want to do this? Sure, sure. So、uh, just to be very specific, it's the English Channel.、Um, there are quite a few channel crossings that one can do. For instance, the Northern Channel is a channel between Northern Ireland and and Scotland, and then there's the Bristol Channel, which you can swim. There's also many other channels. The、um, Gibraltar Strait is another channel you can swim, and,、um, and so there are quite a few.、Um, but it's the English Channel that I I'm, I'm swimming,、um, and it, the history behind it is really is I've been swimming for most of my life and. When I was in my early twenties, thirties, one of the challenges that I really thought I would love to do is the called the Ocean Seven swims. Those are seven、um, seven challenging swims, and the first one that I thought I would try is the English Channel because, of course, they are quite challenging. Each one is challenging in itself, and just to be able to Get one done would be amazing.、Um, so you start closest to home, which is England, and the closest channel for me is the English Channel. So that's a little bit about、um, which channel it is and why 
why it's the English Channel I'm swimming, not the Northern Channel or straight to Gibraltar. It sounded to me that you love swimming, obviously, and you just decided to start from one of the channel closest to where you're from. But the problem is, I found in this is this one happens to be the most dangerous and probably the most challenging one. So it kind of does not make sense to me. I'm pretty certain that I'm not the only one who's tempting to say that if you're crazy but in a good way, <laughs> that come on, am I the what 89 person? Who say this? So, uh, I mean, the English. So it's part of marathon swimming, um, and you would generally be doing a ten k swim um, would be considered a marathon swim. Um, but you, the English Channel is one of those challenges like climbing Mount Everest. Um, it has an element of awe about it, and but it's just a swim. It's a marathon swim. So if you prepare correctly, if you if you do all the preparation and and training, and you prepare your life for it, and you do the proper feeding, it, it is just another challenge that you have to face. So in that respect, it's kind of crazy to think about. Yes, I agree. But it's also very, very exciting. And for me, it's the most sensible option. Um, Hook straight Sorry. is just too far away. Did you just use the word sensible to the yes. <laughs> It does sound yes, hard, doesn't it? <laughs> certainly very sensible indeed. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, please carry on. So so of the of the seven um swims, the, the English Channel is the ones on my doorstep. So I can get to Dover in three hours and I don't have to rent a place to stay. There's no logistics that I have to worry about. For instance, if I were to swim the Sugaru Strait, that's in Japan. Um, it's between two islands in Japan. And just to be able to get out there is a nightmare. And then you're having to deal with a jet lag. You have to stay over for two nights somewhere. I'd have to figure all that out. Then you have to hire a captain of a boat to do that. So all these logistical issues you have to think about and solve. Swimming the English Channel is a lot easier. All the only thing I have to think about is getting a captain of a boat, uh, getting a boat, renting a boat, and I don't have to worry about getting there. I don't have to worry about staying somewhere. I don't have to worry about my sleep patterns. I don't have to worry about my food. So it's all really easy. Gosh, there we go, easy again. Um, it <laughs> puts into the context of of other channel swims this one it makes more sense to do so that yes so that's why it's it's the better one but yeah but i mean there's nothing easy about it just make no mistake there um, the english channel you don't just decide one day to do um there are lots of things you have to think about i feel this is going to be the first time that i can't nod react and perform in the very professional way as a presenter because i have heard so many un incredible and unbelievable words in this such as simple sensible <laughs> like easy like at the doorstep yes i mean obviously i can see that you're an optimistic person yes oh, well to be able to, to even to be able to contemplate this you have to have a, a certain amount of mindset yes a certain mindset i mean i wouldn't expect someone who doesn't know how to set themselves an objective and aim for that target and and plan it out to be able to do this i wouldn't expect someone who 
is down in life to be able to approach it um, and get there because you do need to be extremely resilient that the, just the pure number of hours of training um, means you have to be diligent um, getting over obstacles means you have to have a level of dedication and a level of resilience so there's a lot there's a lot that goes into swimming the English Channel so for instance when you're planning and preparing for it as as the lead up to the event happens you start worrying about getting sick and of course we've just come out of COVID and that's all very well and most people aren't sick anymore but there is still the strains of COVID that are out there that if you are hit by them will make you extremely ill and I just cannot afford to lose training time on those so there is an element of being able to overcome the fear of getting sick by just bumping into people on the street for instance you just have to not worry about those kinds of things and and hope for the best really um so in that way you have to be optimistic about it because if you were to hope for the worst you just wouldn't even start i think you mentioned something very important exactly as i quote from the wording i saw from the channel swimming association that ability only represent half of the success i think the other half is determination and the right mindset so i think the fact that you're a very optimistic person certainly is the element one of the key elements that you need before we talk about anything else do you mind if you can briefly explain that where are you at at the moment? It sounds to me that you haven't yet completed this challenge. And what is the timeline at the moment? So I started the challenge proper, um, just as COVID was starting. And I remember one of my first training sessions was on the kitchen floor. And since then, I've been training quite hard over the last three or four years and completed it on the 28th of September. So 7am on the 28th of September, I climbed onto a boat and I went to a beach and the boat tooted its horn and I started my swim. And 12 hours later, I landed on the French coast, stood up on a rock and the boat tooted its horn again. And that was the end of the swim. It was an amazing experience to have done. I heard some incredible numbers here. So did you say that it took you 12 hours to complete the crossing? Yes. So 12, 12 hours and 14 minutes. I'm a total outsider, but if I am right, these numbers are really not easy to achieve. Uh, no. So 12 hours is... The average swim is 13 hours. So Yes, that's what I thought. 12 is really fast it's 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 a good time um there is you are always battling with currents and weather so yes if you have good weather and currents then you can get a good time my time was fairly good um i could have been a 15 hour swim there is a an, a stage during the swim where if you have not swum fast enough you don't hit a certain point on on the english channel uh, on the French coast and if you pass that point then your swim extends very suddenly from being 12 hours to 15 hours um, 
and that is because the way the currents work they pushed you they push you north yeah so if you go north of cap de grisnez i don't even know how you say it uh cap grisnez if you swim if you don't reach that point in 12 hours then you are invariably going to end up in a 15 hour swim situation because the coastline the french coastline veers off to the west so the coastline goes northeast you are then pushed north and you have to swim towards the coast which is going further and further away from you so yeah my swim was 12 hours i did a a, a very good swim in terms of the directions i traveled and the speed i managed to get cope with so it was a good swim um yeah 12 hours is a good swim but so, lucky too lucky too you can't ever discount the fact that the weather the your captain and the tides are all part of the equation if you had a bad wind blowing on a particular day no matter how much you tried you could end up doing a 15 18 hour swim and it would have been the same person doing the same speed of swim it would have just been a little bit extra wind and you would have been taken in the wrong direction and had a little longer swim i could have got even luckier though and had a, a prevailing wind and ended up doing a faster swim so yeah it's a lot of luck involved so it was 28th of september last year no no this year i'm talking nonsense what month are we in august september right so the 9th of september i completed it on the 28th of 20. august yeah last monday monday ah last. Oh, last monday oh wow amazing you must be so proud of yourself it was literally past monday yeah monday last well not this not the 4th but the 28th so just around the corner yeah Oh, and wow. yes, I mean, it is, it is an achievement. It still hasn't actually hit me yet. Um, my brother keeps going on and on about oh, how wow. amazing it is. And it, it is utterly amazing. So, so, uh, so, is it correct if I say your name has been officially documented on the Channel Swimming Association website? Yeah, you can actually go to the Channel Swimming oh, wow. Association website and go Gareth Leachman, and there I am. And congratulations this is like, i didn't i did not expect this because i'm i'm going to talk about this at, at some point anyway because i still remember that there was a conversation we used to have once in the kitchen that how you were so gutted that the the swim the essential the the initial day that you plan to swim got cancelled due to the severe weather conditions i guess and i can see that how frustrated you were in the kitchen that day so i was really i'm now i was extremely pleased to know that you have now completed your challenge and 12 hours is an amazing amazing performance yeah thank you very much yes i mean i have to say it's it's in looking back it's just a remarkable thing to have yes. done and it took a lot of training a lot of effort and there's lots of people to thank so you don't i keep saying this to people you know the english channel solo there's no i in that you know i did not swim the english channel solo without a lot of help from a lot of people i have the people on my boat the captain of the boat who was extremely experienced there's my brother and my swim partner um who were both on the boat and looking after me in terms of feeds and food they would feed me every 20 minutes there's the the um club trainer so our coach at Crawley swimming club who is very experienced he's been swimming all his life and has been a coach since he's he was a young young man um and he gave me some very solid advice 
um, and gave me a really good training program. So there's lots of people along the way. And, and that's not even to mention the, the support you get from the people that you meet. So in Crawley, swimming, in Crawley, that we have a swimming pool at the K2 Leisure Center. And because I do so much training, I'm a regular feature there. And the people you meet, the regulars that go there, you just become friends with them. And they are all so supportive. So there's lots and lots of people along the way. I mean, you can't even, I mean, it's not even to mention my partner who's had to put up with this for three years and her parents who have had to put up with it for three years. There's lots of people involved. There's no I in the solo. It really is a lot of people. So I'm very grateful to all of them. And yes, it is just an amazing experience, but want to share with everyone too. So yes. I mean, he hearing this just make me a bit emotional now and I think I will only get more emotional I think you're a very modest person obviously you wouldn't be able to cross the channel successfully without them a hundred percent sure but I think the dedication and all the hard work you put are the fundamental reason that why you in the end completed this challenge I I really want to dig a little bit further about for instance that exact trainings that you had and the food that you fed yourself to complete this and most importantly what exactly did you do in order to ensure you you could tolerate the cold okay so the training regime for the English Channel is essentially 30 K's a week Sorry, five zero. Thirty three three zero. It's thirty kilometers a week for three months from January through to March. And then because my planned swim was in August, I had to ramp that up June, July. June and July I had to get fifty kilometers a week through the whole of July. So I was doing two hundred kilometers swimming in July. That's a combination of pool swimming and sea swimming. So I would do three hours on a Monday night, which would be about 12 kilometers. And then a shorter swim on a Tuesday and then a longer swim on a Wednesday. And then a short, and then Thursday would be my break day. So I wouldn't do any swimming at all on a Thursday. Friday, I'd have an hour, two hours maybe down in Hove. And then Saturday and Sunday, I would make up the rest of the 50 kilometers in the in the pool again so it's a combination of them and there, there's a lot of reasons around that so for instance at k2 you cannot swim on a tuesday for more than an hour and a half the pool is not open for public for more than that so you have to fit your regime around not just the things that your life has but also around schedules that other people impose it's it was quite a interesting challenge so in terms of the swimming that's how that worked how many then, years of Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just wondering before you move on to any other things. How many trainings did you have for the regime you mentioned? Is it like two or three years? Yes. So this would have been three years of training like that. Wow. It's it doesn't it sounds quite a lot, but when you're it's in a it, lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot. But when you're in it and you and you you're it's part of your life, then it doesn't become that much. You you. You, what did I just say? Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. The thing is, right, you have a goal. You know what your goal is. So you break your goal down to achieve it. And when you break your goal down to achieve it, you're setting yourself milestones. And it's like any other project planning. 
you set the milestones you know what your target is within each month you then just have to think about the grind and every day you do the grind that's required for that week you don't think about oh i need to do 50k this month because you don't need to you've already planned that out you've already got a weekly schedule you then just have to think about today's grind make sure you get up you get there and you finish it and that's how i broke it down you you can't think about i'm going to swim 30 kilometers which actually is 50 kilometers you can't think like that because you won't start so you have to really think just carefully about each day now i was lucky because i started out as being a swimmer and along the journey i've improved my technique and i've become faster and i've done all that because i wanted to be able to swim the channel well you can swim it not as fast as i swam it mm -hmm. and you do finish it it's just it becomes harder work so the faster you are the easier it becomes yeah so it just made sense to you know try your best which i like to do you know you just go out there and try your best so it was what it was um so i don't know that that's in terms of the swimming was there any other questions you wanted around the swimming yes. before we move on the other question I ask you is that how did you sustain the cold water? What what was the training that you 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 gave yourself for probably for three years? The cold water aspect is another interesting thing. So I don't find I didn't find the English Channel to be that cold. Okay, that's another that's another crazy thing I've heard. Okay, okay yes, I know exactly. this is the, like a crazy conversation in a good way. So the English Channel was 18 degrees when I swam it. And that's kind of an expected temperature. You'd be looking between 15 and, and 90 degrees. 18 is quite high. I was lucky. If I'd swum it two years earlier it might have been colder if I delayed it for another year it might be colder next year you just never know I trained for the cold though because you never know what temperature it might be so you are always recommended to be able to do cold swimming and I trained through winter for that I would go down with my swim buddies and we did winter training by swimming in Hove Beach Sea for 20 minutes during the peak of winter and then we try and extend that as winter progresses through to spring and summer. I also did a set of swims in Ireland a little more into summer, English summer. I talk about English summer and Irish summer, but Ireland's waters are a little colder than ours, especially down on the coast because it faces out to the ocean more. So I used that as an opportunity to get a little bit colder swimmer. So the swimmings I was doing there were 15 degrees C. But doing the winter swims is a lot of fun, actually. I did a swims at a lake. Or it's, a, it's a lake. The, the lake is the shack is the place I used to do my swimming. And you'd go in and the water would be like five degrees and it's really cold. And you take a little bit of time to meditate around okay, I'm going to get in this water, it's going to be very cold, but just get in and get going. And you do, you just get in, breathe, 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 wait for the shock to hit. Once the shock's hit, you breathe through that, and then you start your swimming. And I just plowed through it. It's like everything else. You, you put your mind to it, you swim. The faster you swim, the warmer you'll be. 
So swimming quickly is important. And I just did as, as much as I could in 20 minutes. It's about keeping warm afterwards, though, because then you kind of you get out of the water and then you're, you're stuck with them getting cold shock. You don't want to be getting there. So you have to rewarm well. So there's a bit of a science around cold swimming, around reheat, rewarming, around watching for the various forms of shock you can get. There was a time where I, I came out of the water and was busy changing. And I was changing next to this lady who was a nurse. And I said to her, you know, I'm very warm. I feel so amazing. I can't believe how warm I feel. And her immediate response was to get the lifeguard and sit me down and get me warm with a cup of tea because that is a sign of shock that I was going into hypothermia and they don't want that. So it was kind of interesting experience. But those are the experiences you have and that's what that's what makes it all fun is, is experiencing the cold swimming, experiencing the things with your friends down at the beach chatting to the people you'd be amazed how many people actually swim in brighton in the cold uh, there are a lot more people than one would think am so. i going to be the first person who asks you what exactly are you made of <laughs> like like you sounds like you were born to love swimming in the open cold water <laughs> it's, it really is lovely um it's it's a it's a thing people love doing it i'm not the only one so it is a thing and it's really nice when you come across these people in, in the sea. I remember swimming one day down in Brighton. It was a early morning and the water was maybe 13 degrees. I'd just done a two-hour swim and I was, I was just coming in from the swim. And I bumped into this lady who was also swimming. And we ended up, as so bizarrest thing to think about, we both just ended up stopping our swim lying back in the water, looking at the sunrise and having a good old chat in 13 degrees water. And I think back now and I think, how did I even cope with that? That's just, it's so bizarre, but it's, it's exactly what it's about, you know, friends and people you meet and you're just having a conversation about life in this cold water. And yeah, so yeah, so the experiences you have on the journey are fantastic. Fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Just please allow me to have another silly question, which is, have you ever had a hot shower in your life? <laughs> Seriously, I don't get it. I feel like oh, you're Lulu. born to be a cold-blooded animal. It is funny. One of the bits of training I had to do Cold was, shower, right? Uh, well, not really the cold shower. Um, I didn't really do cold showers. I don't, I don't buy into that. You do icy shower, maybe, to be more effective. <laughs> icy showers, no. So what I, I did used to do was do um, walk in winter. So when it was snowing, it's the best time to do it. You, you Shorts, so I used to wear jogger shorts and a vest and slip slops. Uh, hang ten fives, high fives, I don't know if, how you call them. Slip slops are basically strap sandals. And I used to do a, a 5k loop in my in my in the area I live in and walk around Crawley and 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 that's cold you know you're getting really cold but what I found fascinating was that when you got back and you wanted to rewarm you couldn't get into a hot shower I couldn't bear 
a hot shower, I had to turn the temperature right down to be able to cope with just getting wet under the shower, which was kind of remarkable. I mean, it's it's probably obvious, but my body just couldn't deal with having having walked through the cold for half an hour, getting back at the house, I had to use a much colder temperature than I normally would shower. I mean, if you go to K2, the showers there are very warm. So you're talking about 26 degrees in the water of the pool and you get out and have a shower there. It's, it's, it's very warm. Um, so it's not that, I, you know, hot showers are a problem for me. It's just when you're doing the cold training, then it's very different. Even down at the shack, you, you, there are showers available to you and you go there and you, you can't put them on hot. It's just unbearable. And it's bad for you anyway, if you're doing cold training. So cold training, if you start washing yourself in, in hot water, you end up getting blisters and stuff. It's not very good. So re realistically training to um, swim across the channel or any other long distance swimming, open water can help you people save the money because they never ever need to turn on the gas exactly that's how i feel what an yeah. advantage i know i know I, I don't even need to buy clothes you know because i'm walking around in winter in shorts and a t-shirt so, so you know it's, that's that's all you need you shorts and t-shirt year round but does that mean that people who are naturally like cold irresistant are not suitable to swim in open water like long distance I don't know. I think that's an interesting question. I think if you set your mind to a goal, so if you want, if you are resistant to the idea of doing a cold swim or an open water swim, then you can put yourself off quite quickly. If you are open to the thought of trying it, then it doesn't matter who you are. You should, you should be able to try it out and do it. Um, I, I don't see that there are many barriers to it, really. You just have mm. to be open to the idea. A lot of what I had to do to get used to cold water swimming was really just meditation. Oh. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't a trick. So it's like persuading yourself that it's warm. It's warm. <laughs> I feel so warm. That kind of training. Almost. Almost. Um, it's more about ignoring the fact that it's cold. Then, when you are hit with the shock of the cold. Focusing your mind to say that you can cope and your body will survive and then pursuing that So having set yourself the target go for it And then when you are feeling that pain the meditation helps you to pull through so when I say meditation I mean I count for instance, so for me, it's about breathing and the counting I don't I don't do kind of ums and I don't I don't try and go down on my knees and put my hands above my head anything like that it's it's really just a, an inner breathing a focusing the mind by counting so i'll focus on each number and i, I even use that technique during my swim it's it's quite a normal technique of of meditation really so that's how i focused on the cold i mean it's not something i was naturally drawn to you've got to realize that I'm just like anyone else. I do not want to put my my arm into a bucket of ice. Mm. But for my swimming, I was willing to do it. And to getting going swimming in the cold, it becomes a kind of a thrill. My swim buddies and I will go down and, and do this during winter. And you finish the swim on a buzz. You're very cold. 
make no mistake you get very cold and when you come out you are shivering but hours later you will be thinking oh, i'm so alive today because i did my cold swim this morning and it's a real thing it's very interesting to experience yeah i i think i can kind of relate to what you say although you know i never ever try any open water swimming before but i do have some experience having cold showers and yes exactly the feelings you said happened to me yeah yeah what the exhilaration afterwards exactly like yeah. i i i can recall how i felt so refreshed than any other days at that time it's it's it is i mean it's an experience that you have to have you you can't really understand it unless you try it so to your audience go out there and swim in the middle of winter but do it together and, and be uh, safe <laughs> probably do it together and on the condition that they are aware of some of the symptoms or yeah, you things to, to be aware of of hypothermia exactly exactly be mindful of what you're doing it's not a you don't want to risk your life here but it is an experience you should try actually about um not about risking your life but when you mentioned that phrase what reminded me of is the team behind you who support this you know who support you complete your dream I, what i wanted to ask you is that obviously you started swimming at a very young age and you probably realized that marathon swimming is your thing so that means that pool swimming would be boring because it can't be really that long well well actually it can but anyway my my question is you must know that channel crossing or any other swimming you are thinking for instance the one you mentioned in japan none of them is cheap so what's your view on that so in your view your passion is very strong enough to pay a few grand to complete this or you think it's just like this crazy it's like a total business that doesn't really make sense to you so it is a challenge to think about the money um the boat costs are are a lot but you're paying you're paying for the experience that's really the biggest cost is the boat i i guess for something like cook straight you'd be paying a couple of grand for the flight out and and um some accommodation so it does add up and and that's why the english channel was the obvious choice for me i mean mm. we don't all have thousands and thousands of pounds lying around and certainly i don't um it took a lot of effort to save it yeah and the next challenge i do i'm going to have to do the same you know just have to save up the money yeah um but if you are keen to do it it's like anything else so you have to put that in the context of i don't i don't smoke i don't drink um so i don't have those vices that take that consume my cash flow um and it's worth it because this is your passion and see exactly. that you have your real that you have your actual name being left on the channel from an association i think it means so much yeah i mean i don't have i don't have other things like hobbies that i do i'm not I, i'm not going out there and buying hundreds of pounds worth of golf kit or a thousand pounds on a bicycle tire because i'm a triathlete i don't have any of those overheads so it's really is part of my hobby and in that respect mm. i guess if you amortize the the boat costs or all the costs for any of these swims then you really are not looking at that much per month it's it's more of a you save towards it yeah, i mean yeah 
hundred pounds a month, you're looking at thirty six months, right? Which is three years. Yes. So it's, and, you can weigh it up. Yeah, I think I'm also going to ask you question regarding to your feeding food. But before hmm. I ask you those, just want to know because you mentioned about how you were drawn to marathon swimming when you were young. Why did you decide to swim in an open water rather than just like swim hundreds of different laps in the pool? Is it just because pool is so safe to you, so it's boring? Oh, I don't think that. Um, the the English Channel is definitely a marathon swim you want to do if you are doing marathon swimming. It's just an, it's just one of those accolades like the K two right. mountain. I swim. You do the swimathon swims, and those swims are three k or five k, or you can do three five k swims. So those are things you can do as uh, as marathon swimming. You can also do things like twenty four by twenty four, so twenty four miles in twenty four hours, and that swim is challenging because you have to be swimming for twenty four hours. You don't swim the whole twenty four hours. The part of the challenge is that you get out halfway through. You swim one mile, which doesn't take you a whole hour. It takes it would take me around half an hour to swim a mile. So having swum a mile, I have to then get out half an hour later. I have to get straight back in. And if you think that you you are still swimming at three in the morning, which is probably the coldest part of the day, you've got、yeah. to get in at three in the morning into this cold water, swim for half an hour, and get out again, and then get straight back in half an hour again. And the challenge becomes: Can I feed properly? Can I drink enough? Do I need any warm water? What things do I need to get the swim going? So, for instance, you need to change your costume immediately. That you get out, get into a dry costume, get yourself warm, have something to eat and drink, and then rest for twenty minutes. Try and get a twenty-five minute nap in, or twenty minute or fifteen minute nap in. So that's another challenge. I mean, the the twenty-four by twenty-four is a swim I'd love to do as well.、Um, It's just another thing you have to plan and get ready for, and I just haven't got around to it yet. Lots of things I want to do, though. So yes, I can see that. I mean, oh, we have so many things that we can talk about. But yeah, thank thanks for explaining a little bit、um, in details about that how you actually completed the, the the challenge. And I think you mentioned about the feeding. Can I say timetable? That's actually another part I want to ask you because I remember very vividly that one time. You were trying to finish. Is it a tub of ice cream or some dessert? And the reason for that is because you told me that how you wanted to gain fat. And believe it or not, I actually looked it up afterward because it was so weird. Because at that time, I was still thinking that okay, you presented or you appear to be an athlete. And at that time, my philosophy was still like you probably want to eat something healthy. So ice cream or like dessert. Are unusual, but then I look it up a bit further, and I think I do get it now. It does make sense because basically, if you gain a few pounds, you are more what cold resistant. It's it's that's the theory behind it. Um, I mean, the whole feed issue is is quite big. So when you're training fifty kilometers a week, you are burning a lot of calories. Yes. So you eat a lot of food to be able to maintain your weight. Otherwise, you just start losing weight. So a, a typical lunch time at work would have been would be a double portion of pasta and beef or、um, a lasagna, something like that. So a double、okay, portion of、basically. that. Yeah,、um, a, a large pasta dish 
um, carbohydrates, a little bit of protein, okay. and potassium in the form of a banana. So my, my general go-to meal is, and as the ready meal for four pounds, which is a double portion of, of um, pasta and, and veggies or pasta and meat, and then a banana on top of that. Um, but that's about 500 calories, which isn't really enough. So that's where the ice cream comes in. Um, and there's, you're, you're, you're trying to coat yourself with a bit of fat so that you'll be warmer in the swim. I'm not sure how well that works. And it's just, it's just something that I started doing. And it, it really helps also if you're trying to, if you're trying to get a little bit of extra fat on. The fat is meant to be energy that you burn much later on in your swim once you've gone through all your reserves. So that's the theory behind it. I, I don't really know which way I feel about it. I think you need to eat a, a healthy diet that, that that works for you and everyone has their own way of doing it. My, my, my approach was a, a proper big meal every yes. day. I had a, a, a large breakfast every morning of porridge and fruit and syrup and toast and peanut butter. It's always good to get the peanut butter in and then jam and then egg and cheese on toast. So the breakfast was pretty big and then I'd have a large lunch and then I'd generally be having a large bowl of pasta for dinner as well. And that would be that would be a kind of meal. And then Sundays was nice because I like to cook on a Sunday. So yes. Sunday I'd come home and we'd have a roast. So a large roast, I'd have a, a thigh and a leg and four baked potatoes and some broccoli, a nice big plate of food, and then I'd go for a three-hour swim. And and that's kind of was really nice because you'd line your stomach with food. It'd be very heavy for the first hour, so you're trying to train through that, which is a useful thing to do. And, yeah, so that's the kind of thing I enjoyed. Was there anything you absolutely avoided before your channel crossing, like food-wise? Uh, no. So, prior to the ch just prior to the channel swim, I made yeah. sure I was eating exactly what I was used to eating. So, avoiding anything I wasn't used to eating. the The idea is to maintain things you know. Don't go start experimenting with, I don't know, oysters if you've never eaten oysters. Because obviously you don't want to have some kind of reaction just before you swim. Um, yes. And, yeah. It, it's about making sure you are consistent with what you've been doing in the past. We talk about fat and I have another silly idea. I think it's silly that it does make sense to me that when someone says that gaining a little bit fat may help um, coping the coldness. Hmm. What about, you know, the ability to load do you think a bit of fat would help too and therefore would retain more energy i'm not so sure about that i mean i i trained the way i trained was to swim it um, yes and if you're if you have extra fat then you are slowing yourself down um so my my aim was to be lean and fast i wanted mm. to be as fast as i could I don't need I don't need the extra layers of padding. That's yeah. just gonna that's just gonna cause you grief, especially if you are trying to swim and you're trying to keep your stroke accurate. 
then you really are just trying to keep as lean as you can. Um, some people don't um, prescribe to that. Some people say that you, you really do need to layer on large amounts of, of fats to be able to cope with the cold and the endurance. But I've never needed to do that. So it's not something that I'm used to doing. I'm, I'm quite happy training and keeping my weight down. Well, keeping it, you know, eating sensibly to try and get your body to be fit as you can. So that's how it's, I approached it. It's still about food. Mm. Um, we talk about the the type of food that you took, probably still taking. But I think one of the other things very crucial in this um, channel swimming is the um, the number. It's not the number, the amount of time that you took feeding yourself. So exactly how did you train to be able to feed very fast? and then resume your swimming that is so the way i trained for my my feeds was i had a very specific bottle i used a a, a bottle that i came out with was the lion syrup bottle um it has a, a nice big big lid and a big spout and you can basically glug that down very quickly so what i had was isotonic water in it i mixed some isotonic drink into water and on the day i i also mixed in my gel packs but to train for it was essentially just do what i was going to do on the channel swim so i knew that i wanted to feed every 20 minutes yes on the swim and i knew what i was going to be feeding so i trained that way as well so i'd take my drinks with me in their little packs and i put them on the side of the pool and every 20 minutes i'd drink a bottle or take a gel pack and then repeat that every 20 minutes for my training set so on a three-hour set you'd be taking I, I took i normally took four bottles with and then i'd i'd have to get out of the pool anyway just for a loose stop and fill up the water bottles then so i had mechanisms for doing that so i'd take a gel pack every 20 minutes as well for the last hour so just little things like that but that's so how you, i train for it so you ensure you downed whatever liquid or finish the food say in 20 seconds each time you stop yes exactly right so on the training it's about getting used to the idea that when you finish that 20 minutes you quickly grab your bottle you glug it down, you close it, and you put it down, and you get off and go again. And my my feeds took about five seconds, but that you had to hone that. You know, it's, it's not something that is easy to do. You have to. Yeah, that sounds really hard. Like it's like asking me to finish like downing, not not half a pint, just like downing or eating something very quickly. It's not easy. You're talking about two hundred mils of water that you're downing so you aren't lugging down a pint of, of beer yeah this is a, a 200 mils of water that you've pre-measured into a bottle and that you are used to doing so getting into the getting into the habit of being able to open this bottle drink it as fast as you can and push off again is, is what it's about and that's how i trained for it get used to using the the tools that i wanted to use on my swim get used to the volume that I wanted to drink on the swim 
and just repeat, repeat, repeat until I, I was comfortable with doing it. And then on the day, it just worked so well. Um, and that's when you know your training worked well. And on the day, I guess, well, obviously, they, um, some of the food, not supply, yeah, some of the food supply were left on the boat. Yes, so I had the crew that I took with me, my brother and my swim buddy, Calvin, um, they took, they had the food there with them. So they, we had several bottles of water, we had the isotonic drinks, we had the gel packs, we had some bananas and we had some licorice. And they fed me the isotonic drink with the gel pack uh, and then every hour they'd give me a gel pack with a little bit of caffeine in it and they would also chop up a little bit of banana and the banana funnily enough wasn't to eat as such you're not swallowing the banana so the, the banana for me was you scrunch it up in your mouth mash it around your jaw and your tongue and your gums to prevent the sea salt from uh, blistering your tongue so it was a really useful strategy that one which just sort of came out of out of the blue um that and the licorice so licorice has apparently really got something in it that prevents your gums from swelling up with the sea so those are the two things that i used to eat but it was mostly around the feeding now the feeding is quite remarkable um i did some practices without the gel packs and I did some with gel packs and I was trying various combinations. And one of my techniques for training is to swim 400 strokes, 400 cycles. So when I swim at K2, I'm doing uh, 1K at a time. Uh, 1K, uh, 100 meters is 40 cycles for me or 80 strokes. So one kilometer is 400 cycles or 800 strokes so when i was doing my training i would count out every single stroke every single arm that went over i'd count and if i was not using the using the gel packs and the isotonic drinks after two hours you start getting very confused you lose count of where you are you can't remember where you were at last and you just kind of give up but using the gel packs your body has then got enough energy that you can actually think through these things so your brain is able to function still and it is it's not something that i'd really considered as a real thing until you actually experience it and actually experience it in that way because you're finding that you can actually count these numbers out all the way to the end whereas when you don't use them you can't so it was very good. It was really good to test that out and see how it works. So obviously, when I was doing this the swim, there was no way I wasn't going to be using the gel packs. It's just you—you you need to be able to focus really well when you're swimming, and it, it panned out that way as well. So yeah, it was good. Good choices. Good. Good bit of preparation. Good bit of experimentation. And I bizarrely focus on the banana you had in, in your crossing i have two another two silly question please forgive me one is i'm trying to imagine the coordination between your team and you how did they actually pass the banana to you because i know that time 
is key so you don't want to lose time obviously yeah. that's why you ate very far so did they treat you as a monkey like they threw you banana you caught it <laughs> and then yes how did it work it's like what's the most efficient way of passing bananas to you so we had this contraption my brother built uh, a string with the string he built a uh, the line bottle he used some what's it called heat he used the uh, heat gun to glue the string to the lid and to the bottle itself so they just needed to pass out they threw the the line over and i had to catch it and they hung it over the edge so that i could i could see it was there so when it was time to feed they blow a whistle i'd swim toward the boat the they'd lower the bottle to me i'd grab it open it up down it and then the banana was passed to me on a little floaty tray that he'd built now remember the, the sea is quite calm we're not talking about wave sea here we're not talking about one meter waves the the 0.2 meter swells so you can put a float on the water and it, it won't really move a lot and he put a little hole in that float and like a tray like a plate and and the banana was in that little hole so all i needed to do was grab the banana out of that tray and shove it in my mouth he pre-sliced it as ready so when i say he there's calvin and my brother there that were doing that and yeah. and that's how it worked it was really really efficient so we're talking about seconds to feed you know right. when you when you you grab the water you down the water i remember reaching over to the tray and getting really annoyed at the one time because i had to actually fiddle in to find the banana um whereas most of the time it was just it was right there grab the banana shove it in my mouth slot it around and spit it straight back out and then get on with it so yeah i mean it's very efficient and you said that you had the banana in your mouth to prevent the salt but this is very um interesting in the way that so exactly how how did you swim with food inside your mouth i guess you you breathe using your nose only no 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 so that's exactly it so i'm i am grabbing this banana putting it in my mouth rinsing it around my mouth so lining all the all my gums and my tongue with it and then i spit it straight out i don't eat the banana you got right. to, i was squashing the banana so that it would coat the inside of my mouth Ah, uh, and that will prevent you from swallowing the salt, or will protect just, your body from the salt. Yeah, I mean, it's it's about it was about protecting the inside of my mouth because whilst you're swimming, of course, you are you are always taking in a little bit of water. Every time you turn to yes. breathe, you are taking in air, but you're also letting in a little water. And no matter how much you try, you can't prevent the salt water from getting in your mouth. So it's always going to be. making your your gums and your your tongue especially um blister so it, it's about it's about trying to get that prevent that happening too quickly you can't prevent it entirely but you take precautions and mine was to try and use bananas um which is a good strategy i had so yeah i was so, about to ask you if the banana is a common technique in say open water swimming i'm not sure it was one that i I came up with with my brother we were just trying it out um ah, it, interesting. it's more people like to use jelly babies 
So Jelly Babies is a go-to for. You mean the sorry the the, the candies the 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 sweets. The sweets, yeah. yes, Jelly Babies. What? Lots of sugar. It's got lots of sugar in it, so it's good for the energy, and it's also supposed to help with preventing the um, your tongue from swelling up. Um, so that's a thing I've heard as well. I mean, I I, I tried the Jelly Babies, but I think you were referring to it a little earlier was trying to eat or trying to hold any sweets in my mouth i found very difficult i did try it yeah. at one point um i tried it during my during my training and i i just couldn't get it right it, i'd either be swimming taking a stroke and then suddenly i'd swallow this huge sweet and go down my go down my throat and be like oh that's just an uncomfortable experience and it hasn't really helped me now because i've lost the sweet or you'd mm. breathe and spit it out by mistake so i could never quite get the hanging it in the in the side of your mouth um maybe that's just me you know i didn't practice enough of it but i didn't find that find i needed it it was good enough the way it was you you, you made the right choice using bananas trust me because if uh, i were you i have i mean that that babies jelly babies in my mouth i just wanted to swallow them all <laughs> yes i guess it's so tasty yeah well i mean you you have them in the pack for sugar afterwards um ah right. Yeah, right. I, I didn't use them on this one. I see. So, lots of things to say about food. Mm. I think we can then move on to something not edible. So, I want to ask you about whether you have applied any grease on your body. No. What? Um, I, people want to use the grease to deal with the cold. And also, some protections from the stings. Uh, from the stings, uh, you get no. The the approach I took was, I didn't really need to deal with the cold because I, I knew I'd be able to cope with the cold, so that I didn't really need grease to deal with the cold. The only other reason you'd use grease is for chafe, so your costume might be chafing on you. So you might want to line just little patches where, for instance. Uh, a lady's costume would go over their shoulder straps and you'd probably get a lot of chafe there. Um, for me, I didn't really need to use any grease. I, there's actually a photo somewhere where you see I have these raw patches on my shoulders. Um, and the chafe I got was from my, sh my, um, my chin had moustache growth. Yeah. Chin growth, what's that called? Beard. I, I had a bit of a, a, a beard growing, but I'd really shaved. But this is because you're 12 hours into the day, right? Mm. So, so I'd shaved the night before and I'd done a proper, you know, very close shave. But halfway through the day, the, you get that little bit of chafe from your chin, and my shoulders would get that, and it really rubbed raw. But I really didn't feel it at the time. And you can't really, grease wouldn't help you much there. Hmm. So I didn't really need the grease. I didn't try to use it. I wasn't training with it. I wasn't wanting to use it in any case. Yeah. I was so quite I... comfortable with the water temperature anyway. Yeah. Sounds to me that to you, grease is there just to help people keep warm. But as you are fairly acclimatized to the cold water, I guess you necessarily don't need it. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, people use grease for all the reasons they use grease. I didn't find I needed to use it. Yeah, that's fine. 
And then, can I ask you about um your vision when you swim? I mean, I know the the question sounds a bit strange. I just want to know that because you said that you you spend well, it took you twelve hours to complete the swim, right? So obviously,、mm. at a certain point, maybe the light wasn't as Strong as it used to be, and I'm pretty certain that part of your training was swimming in the dark. It's a very scary idea to me that swimming in an open water in the total darkness. Didn't you find it scary, or how did you train yourself for this? So night training. Yeah, night training. Quite enjoyable. Quite enjoyable.、Um, What? I, I, yeah, I mean. I, You have to understand. I love swimming. <laughs> But how so, did you see? Isn't it scary that you can't see at all? But in the when it's dark,、it's、then、scary. you don't need a lot of light to see anything. And if the moon is shining, then you don't have a problem. When I was training down in Brighton, you don't really you aren't left in the dark, right? There's there's plenty of ambient light around.、Um, it might be quite dark where you are, but there's lots of Pointed like the pier. There's plenty of light on the pier, and、um, Brighton Marine. There's loads of light down there. So you are, or you're never in a place where you can't see light. It's dark where you are, but you aren't away from the world. Now, when you're in the middle of the sea, that's kind of a different thing.、Um, but even then. You know there is still light to be seen. The boat has a huge spotlight. So if I were to be doing night night swimming, there would be a spotlight on me all the time. It wouldn't be dark at all. It would be just a, a dull kind of day. So night swimming, night swimming is about getting over that fear of of the night.、Right. I guess.、Um, yeah. The the water is dark. The you can't you can't see. Any particular point on the land very clearly, but that's true in the middle of the day anyway. When you are out in the sea, and you are between Dover and and Calais, and you look up whilst you're swimming, you cannot see a thing, right? Even if there's a point two meter swell, you are looking up from a from below, and there is nothing to see. Mm. You might you might see the top of some land, but you have no idea where that land is. You have no idea how far it is, and you can't really see it that clearly. It's all about the preparation at that point, because you've got to know that you are just swimming this thing. You are going to see land, and don't be fooled by the fact it's there. Yeah. Because you have no clue how far you actually are, and in fact, you you swim almost parallel to the land for quite a bit of the time. There was a point in my swim where I was doing, I was swimming three kilometers an hour. I think two point nine kilometers an hour, but the tide was pushing at two point five kilometers in the other direction. So I was made. I made five hundred meters in one hour, which is nothing. I mean,、uh, when you're swimming at at three kilometers an hour, you, you're you're hoping to make a little bit of ground, and to swim five hundred meters is. Is very disheartening, but unfortunately, I didn't know about it. I, I mean, I wasn't really worried about it. I knew, I knew the way the currents were going to go, and I knew exactly what was going to happen and how that that arrangement works. So I was quite comfortable with my swim anyway.
It's another silly question from me. It's okay. I mean, I'm just so good at making silly questions. Which is, <laughs> does that mean that there are a lot more people who are doing night swimming than I thought? I never ever want to approach the sea <laughs> at night. That's why I don't know. But now you said this, you make me wonder. Uh, you, night swimming is beautiful. There are there are groups of people. I it was illegal until you said that. That's part of the training and it's beautiful. No, no, no. I, what are they called? The salt birds of Brighton. The Brighton salt birds? Is that what they are? I can't remember now. There's a there's a group of ladies who have a who do who do swims in Brighton. And in At fact night. there's quite a few of them. And they do do these blood moon swims. So you go out at a full moon and you go and swim at night whilst there's a full moon and they do early morning swims in the dark um this is a real thing and people go out to experience it um so yeah there's lots of people who actually do swim at night i thought you're gonna get towed off if you <laughs> seen by a lifeguard well wait, wait, there's, there's no, no lifeguards on the beach <laughs> they, they quit work at 5 p.m <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean the most the most amazing experience I had for night swimming. I, there was two amazing experiences. Actually, there are a few more, but uh, three of them I'll tell. So the first one was the most amazing moonset. Now call it a moonset. The, the sea was absolutely smooth. There was not a breath of air, wind blowing, and the moon was this bright orange ball which was setting down behind the wind farm and the reflection of that gold moon across the sea was just the most beautiful thing I'd ever experienced. So that was the one experience I had. The, the other experience I had was there's a guy who lives on the beach. I can't remember his name now, but he has a, he has a shell house and, okay. and he has a boat that he takes out fishing at night. And I bumped into this guy one night. I was swimming along and there's this boat with its paddles and he's paddling it and i hear the slosh slosh of paddles and i'm looking around thinking what the heck is that and i see his light and then i realize he's he's the guy who lives at the beach who's just going out to fist it was the most interesting experience and he greeted me and said hello and i waved and i said hello back but yeah i mean kind of a surprising thing to 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 see in the nighttime and then there was a last experience i had which was more of a nerve-wracking one there was a a boat that had come in quite close to the beach and the guy anchored his boat and obviously slept the night there but i didn't know what this was it was a, it was very quiet it was obviously very low powered motor or he, maybe he was sailing in i'm not sure but he was going very slowly, but the lights on the boat were on. And I could see the green light on, and I could see the red light on, but I couldn't see what was there. It was just the green and red light, and it was getting closer and closer, and I had no idea what the heck this thing was. I didn't want to get run over by a boat, and I was nervous that they wouldn't see me because it's pitch dark, and all I've got is this, this red buoy that I'm using as a float mechanism to ca carry my feed in. And there was no way they were going to see me. So I was kind of terrified that this thing was going to hit me. But of course, it's not going to hit you, and it's miles away from you. You just have no perception of distance and depth when you're swimming in the dark and you've got your goggles yeah. on, and, and you, every now and again you look up and you're wondering, where's this boat? Where's this thing? You know, 
is it going to hit me? No, it's over there still. Okay, fine. Um, and eventually I just got curious and I swam up to the thing to figure out what it was. But yeah, so those are three interesting night swimming experiences. So, uh, yeah, not a silly reaction. Just wondering that the, was the person a real person or maybe he wasn't human. <laughs> and maybe the object you saw wasn't even from this world. Maybe. Yeah, no, night swimming. Yeah, there's all those. a bit supernatural. Yeah, yeah. Are there any night. sharks in Brighton? <laughs> You know, you know that I was going to ask you this anyway. So yeah. yes, I mean, wait, I, I'm not really making it up. According to the Channel Swimming Association, they did say there's a remote possibility that in your swim you might bump into sharks. Yeah. So yeah. So did you actually? Did you actually meet one? I've never met a shark. I have to say. You never, sound like you're very never, eager to. Never in my life have I met a shark. If I meet, but you're a shark, very eager, right? No, I, I'm I'm not eager at all to to meet a shark. I mean, you do have the pro problem that if you're swimming one of these other other seven ocean swims, you, you will hit sharks. That's inevitable. But I haven't met one yet. I haven't gone up to Greek one either, and I don't ever plan to. It's not a it's not a a thing for me to go and mess with a shark. No, I like my fingers where they are. So, so I guess. An accidental encounter with any sea animals isn't part of your training. Uh, no, I mean, I, I I never bumped into anything specific. No, hmm. I mean the, the worst. Jellyfish. Well, on the on the channel swim, yeah, of course I bumped into loads of jellyfish. Um, but you prepared for that. You know that's going to happen. Yeah. So you have. I have to say though the. First, the first bump was a bit of a shock because you're not expecting at any particular time to get it. You don't know when you're going to bump into them. So the first one I hit was like, oh, what's this? Look down and see, oh, it's the jellyfish. Okay, fine. So here's where the jellyfish come in. And then they disappeared again for a while. And then I hit another one and another one. And eventually it was just I was swimming through a hole. I got to remember what the name of a, a swarm of jellyfish is. I'm pretty sure it's not a swarm of jellyfish. Let's look it up quickly. What is the swarm of jellyfish called? While you're a looking bloom. it up... Uh -huh. So this bloom of jellyfish I swam through. I have to say, though, it is a very beautiful experience. You are hitting them and you are getting stung, but it is still a beautiful thing to see. Um, and I really enjoyed going through them. Being stung. Yeah, I mean, you get stung because you get stung, right? There's no helping that. They they don't they don't mean to sting you. That's not their objective to hurt you. It's it's just part of it. Uh, it's still a beautiful experience. Yeah. Have you have you met any other animals before in the sea? Uh, not really. No, no. I mean, you don't. No, and there's no sharks in this. I mean, human sharks. You know, you get, you get people who shout at you, but there's no uh, there's no real sharks in the sea. And I haven't really bumped in there. I've swum in Ireland quite a few times, and there's no no sharks there either. It's just too cold. Hmm. I mean, the I don't know if there's any other kinds of big fish that I might bump into. The worst I've come across is is really those human sharks, the ones that scream and shout and try. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I bumped into a few swimmers. Um, that's that's not fun because generally you're bumping into them because you're swimming in opposite direction, and it's the most amazing thing, right? You're swimming 
in the sea between you know Hove and, and Brighton Beach and there's all that expanse of water and yet you have to swim and find you bumping into another swimmer I don't know how that happens I don't know how I, I can only assume that there are channels that the water flows through that everyone likes to swim through but I can't see that that's a real thing either it just happens to be that you bump into someone who's swimming in the same route as you but it is a bizarre thing to do Hmm. Yes. I mean, obviously, traffic is another key element completed this challenge. But yeah, well, I think that's the that's the reason why it's important to hire a team. And that's yeah. why at the beginning you said that you wouldn't be able to complete this without the team. So... I think I want to focus something much more interesting and probably will much more helpful to people who may want to complete this challenge. And I think this will be helpful to me too. So you mentioned that you are a fairly fast swimmer, I guess. I I'm pretty certain that you are a very established swimmer. The question is that some people, when they made up their mind to do the swim, they are not as good as you are the people so the problem is that they probably learn from crawl or breaststroke not in the perfect way or just you know they learn the techniques but they did not learn them very well and you can imagine it's like a habit once you develop them it's very difficult to get rid of them to hone them so what is your advice to people who can swing but who just never ever hung the skills properly and now they want to improve their speed so basically the advice to improve their swimming skills well you can two approaches um the first one is join a club um oh. most swimming clubs have a master's group which is over 18 the master's is over 18 it's not a 50 years old thing but it's over 18 is masters and you join the masters and there'll generally be a, a master's coach who We'll focus on some technique with you. The other way is YouTube, which is a massive resource. Really? Yep. I've got loads of helpful tips from YouTube. If you watch, for instance, if you watch breakdowns of um, good swimmers, so you go online and you you find a swimmer that you want to want to mimic, and you go down and say, okay, I want a breakdown of how the swimmer works. You go onto YouTube, you generally find some coach out there who's done a breakdown of, you know. Michael Phelps' swim. Um, mm. And you can watch through those. There's also coaching videos that you can watch on YouTube which show you specific parts of technique. So those are the two approaches. But if you join a club, you get you get some solid advice from a coach. It's always the best way to go anyway, in my view, is to yes. join, join a club, say, for two months and just check where you where you are you know assess yourself against the other masters and figure out what it is you need to improve and and then if you feel you you're enjoying the club swimming then stay with the club swimming otherwise if you 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 feel you want to go out alone and pick up some tips on youtube then just get in the pool and swim and there's nothing nothing to it really um it's all about dedication though uh, it's not going to happen if you don't put in the hours it's like anything else i mean yeah I, I wasn't going to wander into work but it's the same for anyone's yes experiences in life in their work environment you are only exceptional once you've done the grind 
you're not going to be exceptional on day one. You have to actually sit down, do a job, work through it, get to know the environment well, work in the environment well, and then deliver. And once you start delivering, you improve your delivery, and eventually you are delivering very well. And that's exactly the same strategy for swimming. Yeah. You, know, you sit down, you figure out what you don't know, you fill those gaps, you then train hard on those gaps, and then you train hard overall, and eventually you become good at it all. So, yeah, there's no tricks. There's no tricks. It's yeah. all just um, plan and prepare. That's no shortcut to success, basically. Nope. There's no shortcut to success. I personally want to share my experience attempting to learn to swim by watching YouTube videos. Yeah. My frustration is, despite the fact I've watched the same video for, say, 59 times, <laughs> the problem is there's no pool water next to me where I can actually practice while watching it. So I have no, to frequently yeah. remember the techniques and the next day, or maybe in a few hours time, I jumped into a into the pool it's just like i wish i would be able to synchronously watch the the techniques while it's attempting to repeat those yeah. maybe that's why you suggest that joining the club is always the best option well yes i mean joining the club gives you the opportunity to be watched and coached yes and that's why i mean the, having a coach is 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 really useful they give you good advice they give you advice on training. They give you advice on all sorts of aspects. And having one is useful. It just shortcuts a lot of a lot of struggle. So you don't have to, but it helps you a lot. And yeah. and like you say, you know, you, you watch a YouTube video, you try and figure out how to swim yourself. Well, you've got to try and remember all of that stuff. So if you are doing it that way, the trick is to just focus on one thing, write it down on a bit of paper. Um, if you take a if you take a float, so a, a normal swim float that you take that you use kick exercises with, you take that float and you stick a piece of paper that you've written your notes on what you're going to do. So you prep your you prep your session. So if you're going for a half hour swim, you say, okay, I'm going to do uh, ten lengths of of breaststroke kick and ten lengths of of um, front crawl arms only, and and on your bit of paper you say, and I'm going to focus specifically on pushing my arm through then when you get to the pool side you don't have to think about it at all you just look at your notes and say right next step is 10 lengths of of breaststroke so that's where it comes you know where i, I spoke earlier about you you goal set i mean you set what your goal is and then you break your goal down into various milestones and in those milestones you break down a weekly agenda of what you want to do and that's where you're putting together a small plan of what you do each day. So you never go to the pool and say, right, what am I going to do today? You never do that. You, you go to the pool knowing that you've prepped, right, today I know I've got to work and I know I'm exhausted, but I've already prepped up what I need to do in the pool, so I'm just going to go to the pool and let's see what the plan is today. Ah, right, I've got to do 100 meters breaststroke, and then I'm doing 200 meter crawl, and then I've got to do a 400 and 800, and then I'm doing five. 50 meter sprints and it's all down there written down there as a schedule you don't have to think at all about it so you mm. can do your prep beforehand you watch your video you take some notes you make a little schedule of what you want your swim to be like on the next day you make a little notes on there on exactly what you want to improve and it's always good to when you're going down to the pool to have pre-planned 
what you want to work on. Otherwise, yeah, it, it's you're right. You just go down there and you can't remember what they said and you can't remember what it looks like and you know, what do I do here and there? It just doesn't work. And in any case, you can't improve your whole stroke all at once. You need to work on little things at a time. Someone told me that uh, it takes 50,000 strokes to correct a technique. Wow. And if that's the case, that's a lot of lengths. Yes. Um, so having small little schedules of what you do every day and getting through that schedule every day is really important because you you could never you could never think three months of work in one day just wouldn't happen hmm. we talk about work and how like yeah we talk about work and then like some of the lessons you have learned from this challenge and swimming mm. i want to know that i don't think is that common for a software developer to swim like long distance marathon have you ever met someone who say having a office job like you or is it or, or, or am i wrong maybe it's very common maybe there's a doctor completing tomorrow another one say an actor or i think i think there's a diverse number of people who who, who enjoy open water swimming um certainly i can't say i know another programmer but actually i do <laughs> just happens that i do know another program <laughs> but it's it's like any endurance activity you know and I, I know a lot yes. of a lot of programmers who are actually or program managers who are actually triathletes mm. um or ironman but triathletes really are a lot common than people who have done this okay so marathon swimming is a niche sport uh, there's no there's no two ways about it um firstly you have to enjoy swimming mm. and and that cuts out a lot of people and then you have to enjoy marathon swimming and that cuts out most swimmers most you know most swimmers who want to do it as a sport do not go in for marathon swimming they're going for the sprints they're going there for their 100 meter fly or their 400 meter freestyle or their 200 meters or their ims they're not really into swimming for long distance i mean for instance, we have uh, at the Crawley Swimming Club, we have a Tuesday and Thursday session, which has one lane devoted to uh, endurance swimming. And there are three, four swimmers in that lane versus the sprint sessions, which are all full. And there's seven of them and they're five days a week. So, you know, there's there's not a lot of demand for marathon swimmers. <laughs> It's just not a thing, really. Um, but that said, it is actually, you know, you do get the 10K Olympic or 5K Olympics swimming, open water swimming. So it is a thing that you can do as a sport. Mm. Um, but I could ask you similarly, you know, how many, how many people do you know that do fencing? I don't know that many people who do fencing. Not the fact, soul. I, I can't name one single person. Um, so fencing is is a, is a sport, you know. It's yes. a similar kind of concept. It's it's just it's niche, and um, to do it professionally is not really a thing. Niche also means that it's less competitive. It's going to be your edge. <laughs> the edge. Well, yes, because there's not a lot of people. But you're not in it for. So let's be clear, right? Um, 
Swimming the English Channel is a personal challenge. Yes. Yes, people have swum the fastest one. Yes, people have swum it four times in one go. You are not competing against these people. When you swim the English Channel, you are competing against your training, against what your expectations are, against how you feel about yourself. You are competing about yourself uh, and against who you are. And not to, not to do anything other than complete. And it's a, it's a daunting challenge. And make no mistake, the English Channel is not something you just take on lightly. Um, and to complete it once is fantastic. To complete it again, it's fantastic in a different way because the weather will be different, the currents will be different. You're probably on a different boat. Um, your circumstance will be different. The time of day you start the swim will be different. The temperature of the air will be different. All all those circumstances will be different. So your swim will be very different. And the time you take will probably be different. I mean, this is not, you know, there's professional swimmers who swim these things in lightning speed. And they will have a very different experience of it. But for the general, you know, the general person who goes out to swim it, of which there are only, what, 2,000, um, you, you're competing against yourself. There's no competition against each other. I totally agree with you. Does that mean that you are you're up for another channel swimming? Definitely. It's really it's really in your like pipeline. Yeah. Are you really going to do it again? Well, um I'll probably do the Northern Channel, to be honest. Um right. I've done the English Channel and if I'm gonna do the Ocean Seven I have to I have to really focus on trying to get those down. And do the easy ones first. So the English Channel, the Northern Channel and the Strait of Gibraltar, they're in my price range, you know, because they're local, more local. Strait of Gibraltar is a little bit more difficult because you have to do a two-day stay over before the swim. So that adds extra cost, plus you're having to get over there, plus you need to pay for your your crew, uh, and and you're, you're paying for them to go over and, and also stay there. So that's a little bit more expensive. But yeah, the Northern Channel is definitely something I'm up for. Um, the Strait of Gibraltar, it's a shorter swim, but it's um it's just as challenging. It's it's I think the Strait of Gibraltar is only sixteen yeah sixteen sixteen kilometers. It's not that far, ten miles. Um, so just as a comparison, sixteen kilometers. I normally on a Sunday would swim twelve eleven twelve kilometers in three hours. So sixteen kilometers is is something I'm quite comfortable with. Uh, open water swimming though is different. I, I do 18 kilometers in six hours. So, but again, it's just, it's not a bigger challenge in terms of distance. The Strait of Gibraltar's problem is that the currents are very strong and the temperature drops in the middle um, quite considerably. So there are other challenges to it that make it a, a, a you know, one of the ocean seven. So not to be sneezed at, Definitely not. But yes, the question was, do I, do I want to do another English channel? I, mean, uh, I don't necessarily want to do another English channel. Mm -hmm. um, I focus on the North Channel to start with. Probably do another English channel again sometime, but not right now. May I ask you that, what do you wish to get from this experience or say another um marathon swimming in open water so what's the thrill for me yes that 
Yeah. What do you expect the experience will give you? Is it just satisfaction that simple? Or... I mean, it's it's the achievement. It's yes. I mean, you know, you it's a long term goal. This is not a short term thing. And to plan, prepare, and execute, it takes time. It takes dedication. It takes money. It affects the people around you, but it's something that you feel is worthwhile. So as long as your goals have meaning to you, then they're worthwhile doing, and you align everything around you toward them. And so I, I guess can't agree with you more. Yeah. So it's it's I, I guess it's it has a special significance to me, um, and so I find that. Being able to align my life to that goal quite easily, probably because I just find endurance swimming very enjoyable, mm. and this is a doing these challenges is is a way of of getting something out of it. You know, you can just swim. When did you? I can swim a hundred meters. What does that mean? Well, I can swim a hundred meters is all lengths of a pool. Yeah. So most of the people in the club can do a hundred meters in minute 50 but the challenge is can you do it in one minute or 59 seconds and that's your personal personal best and so achieving your personal best being able to succeed in your area against yourself is what it's really about there's a strong emphasis on in swimming about you know it's not about other people it's about you just just remember you're not competing and you're not competing against other people really it's it's about competing about your personal best you will beat other people when you do that but there's always going to be someone out there who is going to be better than you maybe not this year maybe next year but there'll always be someone out there better than you so rather compete against yourself to know that you are doing your best than to be competing with other people and i think that's that's a lot about it here is i did the english channel because I had my own reasons for it. I mean, it's quite personal. Mm. But the original, the original meaning for it, of it for me was, it is a challenge. I think I would like to achieve. Can I do it? What would it take to do? And let me get down and do it then. So I mean, that's hairy fairy answer really. I can't really give you anything more concrete, um, other than, you know, I, I enjoy endurance swimming. I enjoy open water. The English Channel is an obvious choice for a challenge if you're in that space. So go for it. Can you plan it and execute? Yes, you can. Good. Go. Let's see it doing. hope that at any point this experience can translate into anything else for instance do you see yourself become an open swimming coach or no not really i mean i i do do it for for the swim um my motivation is not to 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 gain anything else out of it hmm. it's 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 in, the objective is to do the swim to achieve could i coach after that possibly but does that align with my personal 
lifestyle goals and my my career objectives maybe sometime maybe once i've done the north channel and the english channel and cook straight you, you you start looking at your life and saying you know actually i'm spending so much time swimming maybe i can make this into a career and not do some other career but i enjoy my career so you know it's just a different part of my life but i don't think yes. i have the time to coach swimming it would be fun to do um and and maybe as a as a volunteer coach perhaps i can put some time aside for for that kind of thing but as a full-time career change now i don't think so i think I, i i like the job i do um swimming is just another aspect of my life it's not the whole aspect of my life so do you do you plan to share this experience with more people oh definitely i mean i so as part of my swim uh i joined up with my company's fundraising scheme and we did a whole push on linkedin and we got a load of people to donate some money and you know we incorporated other people in the whole journey so one of the things that i did with the company was to have a, a raffle ticket and you got on your raffle ticket you got a slot that i would swim the channel in a time slot so i swam it in 12 hours and 15 minutes so the winner would have been the person that had the 12 hours 10 minutes to 12 hour 20 minute ticket um and that way you know people got involved in the swim by having a time slot that they were hoping i would swim it in um i didn't actually know how long it would take me my estimation was around anything from 12 to 18 hours um so it was a kind of an impartial kind of guess but in any case the way we did it was not to you couldn't buy a particular time you had to you got a random allocated um, time which was a lot nicer so it was more of a raffle than a you know than a than a gambling thing that sounds really lovely mm. and uh, i think with everything you have said i think it would be nice um for you to conclude maybe in one or two sentences any advice you would like to give to people who are also thinking to do the english channel challenge prepare is the key um don't don't be arrogant about anything the advice you get from the english channel association read through the whole manual understand everything they say there um you might want a shortcut on cold swimming don't you might want a shortcut on your training don't you might not want to do 200k in a month do it and you might not want to swim through winter but you must there are no shortcuts to it there's there's dedication there's perseverance and when things get bad just remember what your goal is and then you'll be able to get it through it's very key is knowing the goal and how and that your 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 life's ambition is working towards that goal so if you align everything around you to that goal you will get there but don't take shortcuts they aren't in it sounds to me like a solid 3 years of pen seeking <laughs> if i put it in a simple way yes it's definitely pen seeking yeah. in any possible way Uh, well whichever way it was it was a fantastic day the weather was brilliant i achieved my goal and you know 
next one please you know oh i'm so happy for you and thank you Lily. just just out of curiosity have you shared this achievement with your colleagues at work and i think i wanted to ask because i really don't think it's common to have a programmer who has achieved this enormous challenge you probably are the first one in your team oh definitely i mean yeah i mean there's only so you have to put it in context there are what 16 million people in england yes right and people who swim in the english channel are from all over the world yeah there are only two thousand people who have done the english channel right so that that is an, the percentage of people that have done this swim is so small yes i think people who have climbed the mount everest outnumbers the people who have exactly. done the swim exactly that's a famous stat that you you have and so and so if you put it into that context then you understand right it's not a common thing to happen it's not a common thing to experience but yes i mean i brought everyone in the company in on it um i was i was keen to involve them as part of the fundraising effort and it was just a super experience to be able to share with now um having done it and i hope that i can share it with a few more people and we can get get some good experience out of it so yeah i can confidently say that you must be enjoy all the attention you have got from people be it colleagues be it friends be it family they may see you as someone who is a bit crazy but <laughs> i believe they all see it in a good way it Thank is you, good it's good to be seen crazy seriously at least you have something that they see they consider crazy yeah I, i don't look at it as crazy i look at it as as uh solidly persevering thank you for joining me on yet another super authentic tale if you enjoyed today's episode please follow and share your thoughts by participating in the poll and the q and a Most importantly, please remember to acknowledge the best in the people around you, reminding them how great they are. Until next time, stay safe.